da 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 how does the rest all right let's not go? do too much of that don't want to get the copyright infringement from uh, a <laughs> sentence pitch perfect performance hello let's restart that really <laughs> <laughs> now this is staying in go ahead give the in? this is staying Damn in it. even though i'm <laughs> editing this this is staying yes. in. yes yes all right christian in the future yeah keep this or else <laughs> hello and welcome to this week's episode of the billion dollar movie club or should we say the marvel movie club hey hey, hey. It may, it's the only marvel movie we've done so far but it's the marvel movie club <laughs> It's the first episode of it. For those that are uninitiated, uh, this is a show where we look at the highest grossing films of all time, one by one, and discuss them each week and examine why. Why did you make money? As always, I am Christian Simpson, and with me is... Pawan Mehta. Pawan, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Doing all right. We're doing a little little NPR talk right now. Uh, I I I I saw a movie today. You know, you saw a film. Uh, it it was a moving picture. Wow, uh, a, a talkie. Yes, uh, people were talking, and it was audible. It's crazy how film has evolved. And I ain't talking Amazon. <laughs> Is Audible an Amazon? Owned? Yes. Wow. Because everything's either owned by Amazon or Disney. Disney what? Yes. The Disney-owned film, Marvel's The Avengers, is the film we're discussing this week. Actually, was it released by Disney? Because, like, the opening thing was Paramount. We will get to that in one moment. <laughs> but this is Marvel's The Avengers. Released in the U.S. on May 4th, 2012. It was released in foreign markets before that. Because America, we suck. It was released right before the end of the world. Was that like December 11th, 2012? Was what it was, it was like December 21st or something like that. Released on May 4th, 2012 in the United States and Canada. With a budget of $220 million. The film opened with $207 million in its opening weekend. Shattering nearly every record in sight, including many, but not all, of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part Two's records, mm. such records include highest grossing op highest grossing highest grossing, grossing. opening weekend, highest it's grossing, so disgusting highest grossing opening week, and the fastest film to make it to domestically to the one hundred fifty million dollar mark, two hundred million dollar mark, two hundred fifty million dollar mark, and all the way to five hundred fifty million. It was number one at the domestic uh, box office for three consecutive weeks until it was defeated by everyone's favorite 2012 film, Men in Black 3. Uh, this is uh, from Pamela McClintock of The Hollywood Reporter, May 13, 2012. Box office report. Avengers towers with 103.2 million. Dark shadows, black spite. Avengers crosses the 1 billion mark worldwide in only 19 days and is the first film in history to hit $100 million in its second weekend at the domestic box office. Dark Shadows opens to a soft $28.8 million. Breaking another record, the Avengers grossed a stunning $103.2 million during the weekend 
in North America, become the first movie to cross the 100 million mark in its sophomore outing and falling a slim 50%. To recap, it's the first film to open with $200 million and to have its second weekend gross $100 million. Worldwide, Avengers expects to jump the $1 billion mark on Sunday after only 19 days, matching the speed record set by Avatar and Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2, as well as becoming the 11th top-grossing title of all time. Avengers is such a powerhouse that IMAX and other big-screen verses split shows between that film and Dark Shadows. IMAX originally intended to swap out Avengers and play only Dark Shadows. The perfect IMAX viewing experience. I just felt, you know, because we discussed Tim Burton and Johnny Depp in Alice in Wonderland, let's see what their follow-up was. And it did something. Marvel's The Adventures uh, was so big. It is interesting. Of the May 2012 box office, 52% of the entire revenue came from just The Adventures, which is a large number. Uh, the film ended its run with $623 million domestically, $1.518 billion worldwide. At the time, it was the third highest grossing domestic and worldwide. It currently sits at the, as the eighth highest grossing film domestically and worldwide. Pawan, before we move on to our next typical uh, topic, I'd like to play a quick game. Before we get to that, well, yeah, uh, before, I, before, my before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you, you threw some shade at uh, Men in Black 3, and I'd like to address that real quick. All right, go on. I've never um, seen the movie. That was the first movie my dad saw in theaters since, like, Life of Pi. So, a film released in the same year? Wait, was that the same year? Yes. <laughs> okay, no, 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 no. Film. Okay. Um, then Avatar. So first in three years, interesting. Because Men in Black 3 came out before Life of Pi, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, so, yeah. First one he saw in theaters, and, and that was what we did for his birthday, I think. Oh, that's nice. That's cute. Because he was like, I like the first movie, and the second movie exists. <laughs> that's fun. That's adorable. He he thought was like, you know what? It's more men in black, so how can I complain? Much like how people are with these movies what, and what, other franchises. Well, while we're on the topic of men in black, what did he think of men in black international? Starring he did not see that one. MCU stars uh, Chris Hemsworth, Tessa Thompson, and Kumail Nanjiani. Well, see, the thing is, that didn't star Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones. That's fair. Back to the Avengers. Mm -hmm. Juan? Marvel's, Marvel's The Avengers. Okay. Had one Oscar nomination in Best Visual Effects. Okay. I assume you don't know who won. Was it Marvel's The Avengers or was it one of these other nominees? All right. First nominee, a film we'll talk about later in this series, The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey. Oh, yeah, that was also that year. Second nominee, Life of Pi. Third nominee, Marvel's The Avengers. Fourth nominee, Prometheus, fifth nominee, Snow White and the Huntsman. I think it went to Snow White. <laughs> I'd like to point out, double Chris Hemsworth in that. 
Interesting. Uh, no, it went to a life of Pi. I just wanted to point out that mm. Snow White and the Huntsman was nominated for Best Visual Effects. Who'd have known? I mean, they that snow sure was white. Bon, what is your history with? <laughs> There's so many things we could tackle with. We could talk about the movie itself, the MCU up to this point. We could talk about Joss Whedon, who directed and wrote this, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Any of the actors? How, how do you want to stab this? So, when I was a wee lad, a wee lad, a wee lad of about seven or eight years old, wee lad uh, of about seven or eight years old, uh, my brother was a big fan of Firefly. And I remember watching the pilot with him one day, and I fell asleep halfway through because I was bored. It's a long pilot. That pilot's way too long. It could be cut down severely. That show's really good, though. It's solid. I mean, it's no Cowboy Bebop, but, like, it's solid. All right. Um, I haven't, I haven't seen any of his other big shows. Um Let's talk Marvel movies. I was there in the theaters for all of the first phase. Really? Yep. I even saw Incredible Hulk in theaters back then. Oh, you're one of five people who have watched that movie? I actually enjoyed it. I'm sure it's not terrible. What I find interesting about this first phase is that, like, the villains really don't matter. Or, like, they're just throwaways for the most part. There's really just one that kind of mattered, and he's the one who comes back in this this one, right? Loki? I mean, there is another one who comes back much later. Is that the but Hulk like, one? They also, but or, they also oh, got I a different actor for him. <laughs> yes, I know what you're talking about now. Uh, because he really doesn't matter that much, but I, see. I digress. Um, yeah, I actually like the Incredible Hulk pot more than Thor, at least. Interesting. So That's we is, we both moments. saw the Avengers back when it came out, right? Yes. Because uh, for me, after the Avengers, not not intentionally, but I, I've caught up on like I've watched all of Buffy, Angel, Firefly. I love them. Um, Doctor Horrible's great. Uh, oh yeah, I mean, it's got some problematic elements to sure. it, but like... I feel like all of Joss Whedon has some, and we may dive into that later. But, oh right, um, I also saw the his other movie that came out this year. Cabin in the Woods? No, I was talking about... Much Ado about, about Nothing? Yes, I saw his uh, version of Much Ado that he made with the cast when they were just hanging out. I, I still haven't seen it. I want to because the two leads played the uh, played like a will-they-won't-they they couple in Angel. I was like, oh, I love these two. I want to watch more of them. And I just haven't gotten around to it. I mean, what? it's like half the cast doesn't know how to perform Shakespeare. Oh, no. <laughs> Like, uh, my man, who's the actor for Phil Coulson? Uh, Clark Gregg. He's trying, Clark. but he's trying, but like, I don't, I don't know, man. That's a shame. That's a shame. But yeah, uh, when it comes to MCU, this was my first MCU film I've watched. Really? Which okay. is, in retrospect, it feels weird for this to be my first introduction with all the characters, but. I feel like for a lot of people, it was their first MCU movie. If it's just like Probably, looking yeah. at the box office, it's made $1.5 billion. And I think the highest were the two Iron Men at like $600 million ish. So it made like three times more than 
the highest gross MCU movie. And it's, it's, it's watching it again, it really recaps everything really precisely and gets, it lets you know. I mean, it's the know. first 30 minutes of the movie. <laughs> but, okay, so I think we're going to analysis now. <laughs> no, no, no. We could stay on the topic of uh, stuff going that you've watched if you'd like. No, I think that's that's it. I I, okay. I do yeah, I sure. do remember like talking to people about the Avengers. I didn't watch it opening weekend, and I remember people in school freaking out over it. I was like, "No, Harry Potter's better." <laughs> and then they're like, "Oh, I was hype. I was hype." Well, I eventually did watch it in theaters. I, I might have saw it twice. I can't remember. But yeah, very good, very good flick. I, I was that kid like the year before. That's like, oh wow, they're really ramping up for it. They're releasing two of them in one year. <laughs> And people oh, are like, what's Thor? What's Thor? Yeah. Little did you know, they're going to do like 17 in one year. Because you know, Buon, the TV shows, each episode's a movie. Each episode of those TV shows is a movie by itself. No, no, no. Each, each season is a movie. No, each episode. Each episode is a movie because it's so masterfully done. Question for you. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like we're kind of getting to MCU kind you, of analysis. You have a query for me? All right, let's go. Because I will always joke about disliking the MCU stuff. But when mm-hmm. I sit down and watch them, I have so much fun. How do you feel about it as a whole? So, watching this again, mm. I realized why I don't rewatch these movies. Mm. <laughs> it... Because it's like, it's one of those things where like the most memorable moments you already have in your head and like everything else is just there. Yeah. Um, I was expecting to be down on this movie after watching it. And I was a little hyped after watching it. Like I, I had more fun with this rewatch than I expected. It's been years since I've seen it. Um, and yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't. We watch them after watching them in theaters, typically. Um, we'll get to one of those movies. The last time I rewatched a an MCU movie was a movie we'll talk about in a couple of weeks. And I was like, nope, not doing this ever again. <laughs> but, and that was the one you chose. Okay. I don't know if you know which one I'm talking about. I, All right, fair enough. Let's keep going. But um, it, it, it kind of sucks watching this at home and not having that crowd to react to yeah. some of these moments the thing is it feels like there are a few moments that were shot re- like really well like the group shot in the on the bridge that they oh, keep coming back to and what do you uh, mean by they they keep coming back to as, as a whole fight, that's that's where most oh, of the bridge you mean yeah oh yes i had that thought like why are all the aliens on this one bridge uh but other than that, most of it felt like just bare bones cinematography. Like that's what really caught my eye this time around. It's it like a lot of the hand to hand combat scenes felt like something you'd see in like uh what was that show that Jennifer Gardner was in? I was gonna say electric. Um alias? Yes, it felt like something you'd see on that. Would you argue it's not, not would you argue, but is, is it possible to look at it as Joss Whedon kind of made that template with Buffy 
and so I mean, it's kind of caring because I, sure, I got a lot the thing of is, from this. But like the thing about that is, it doesn't really hold the same weight on such a huge scale. It just feels like the simplest form of cinematography and, and stuff like that. And when you usually make a film, like a movie, like a big budget thing, you tend to like put a little bit more work into the shot composition and stuff like that than a weekly show. Do you, it? It feels like they don't sometimes, though. Uh, I mean, wait, it, I'm lost in what what we're discussing now. I, mean, I feel like it, we're on the same side. <laughs> Yeah, but like the thing is, I was, I'll just say I was expecting more cinematographically from this based off of the few shots I remember. Sure. And I don't disagree with that. Um, however, I don't know where I'm going with this. So, so initial thoughts, you weren't so high on it after this rewatch, but I was. Am I understanding this correctly? Yeah. Interesting. Because when was the last time you watched this movie? A um, couple years ago? Uh, I mean, I might have caught like a scene or two when it showed up on TV, but like a whole watch, it was probably when it was in theaters. Interesting. Because I, again, I watched maybe once or twice in theaters. I remember like five years ago being at my aunt and uncle's and we all were together just re-watching it. I was like, I don't like this as much as I did before. And maybe it's because I was like, I know I don't love this movie as much anymore. That was like, I was able to enjoy it. Um, I was expecting to be so disappointed that it isn't as large as later movies. We'll get to them in the coming weeks, but they're gigantic, massive armies fighting. And so I was expecting the smaller scale. It felt like that's what they were doing at the end though you at the end however i think in the build to it it was so much more intimate than i was expecting i mean yeah but like it didn't feel like those fights were even necessarily like choreographed or shot that well again it felt tv grade like action it's it's not hmm I do I, I do understand what you're saying, but I also think and th- and this is why all right Scorsese said uh, Marvel movies are are theme park rides. I think he's hundred percent correct. Mm-hmm. you agree, right? I feel like you you agree? I mean, yeah, I guess, and they're about they're about the 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 highs the high highs of it. I think about a, um, I was briefly in a class and then I had to drop it because of my schedule, uh, where the teacher was pointing out how films are manipulative. And mm-hmm. that kind of caught me off guard because it, it makes it sound so negative, but he's, he was, he's completely right. Well, yeah, think, the whole point is to make you feel something. I think it takes, when something's not quote unquote well shot or whatever, right? And still is able to, to create that reaction out of people, I think that speaks to something. I don't know. It, and, and this rewatch, it really took me out. Are you talking about just the final fight? No, in general. Because 
I'll I'll give you that with like the, the way that uh, Black Widow's fight scenes were shot. It really felt like TV, and like it was the sort of thing where it's like I'll accept this because it's like low budget and stuff like that, and it's pretty cool for that to be happening on that. Are are her two fights the the opening like spy sequence, and then later on her and uh, Hawkeye, right? Yes. Um, the Hawkeye one is what really felt like TV with like being shot in like a dark room, sort of like warehousey feel. Yeah, it is. It is. It feels very rushed. Um, and it happens really fast. It's a lot of this movie is darker than I remember it being. Whether it's in the helicarrier, whether it's in Germany at night, or in the woods at night, or or you know the Loki we- breaking out. Sorry, go ahead. No, that's all I had. That's all I had. Uh, uh, the weird thing is I feel like the uh, like Daredevil had better fight sequences. Yes. Daredevil also... Mm, I want to be careful because I only, I only saw the first season of Daredevil. But Daredevil wasn't balance, balancing hand-to-hand combat with gigantic CGI, you know. And Daredevil was trying to be realistic and grounded and gritty. And so the only action sequence I vividly remember from Daredevil is that hallway sequence everyone was talking about for like a a year. Hmm. And it's not like they had the build to a a sequence similar to it. Other than the two Black Widow scenes, there's not much hand-to-hand combat. I guess. But like... From what I remember from Daredevil overall, it felt like the fights were better choreographed and done. And that's a fair... I I, I can't talk to it, but that's a fair critique that you have. Um, I mean, because, like, what else is there to really talk about with this? Because I had a... most of it feels like, oh, let's put this pairing here, because it's mostly just... Uh, for the fans, like there, here's all the characters in one movie. Let's see how they interact with each other. Let's see these two fight that guy. Let's do that thing. Well, we we can. It, I think it's safe to say there's been no big big budget film like this, and that it's uniting different characters from different movies, right? And I found, you know, it's it's weird going back to these movies. The thing where is, the, it feels like its existence was spectacle enough that they didn't need to try much to do anything else. Well, I, to go with that, I was going to argue like Tony Stark doesn't really evolve as a character after that first movie, does he? <laughs> I, I, I feel like with a lot I of the team rewatched up... rewatched any of them and like I, I really don't like what they did with Tony Stark's character in general. That's fair. I feel like with a lot of the team-ups, you have so much going on that the characters themselves don't get to develop. It's rather about developing this larger story. And so this this movie, there's not much character development, right? Thor's barely in this movie. Hold on. I didn't realize how little Thor is compared to the rest of them. Well, I mean, he shows up like 45 minutes in. Yeah. I'd argue... Um, Maybe Banner has the most development. 
but even then it's 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 less development and more he's just hiding stuff from everyone else and it's revealed at the end it felt odd watching this and feeling like nick fury was kind of the main character or at least the center because the movie kind of opens and ends with him um so one of the reasons why I look more favorably on phase one over the rest of it is because it felt like that was where most of the character development took place. Yeah. Because in later films, it was always like in phase three, especially what it seemed like they did for the most. I mean, maybe not in phase three specifically, but by that point, a lot of the character development was like being set up at the end of like the movies and it's like let's see what happens in the next one and then it's just oh it looks like whatever they were planning is already done i think i know or just what like you're... they do it in the most boring can way you, possible. can you give an example because i think i know what you're talking about but i i just like the rift between uh cap and uh iron man at the end of civil war leading into infinity war yeah it's never really resolved right they just don't call for like 15 minutes and oop that that's the big thing sure sure are you just both on the same side of like there's not a lot of development in these movies for the characters yeah yeah but i i I, again i don't think that's what this movie is trying to do and i'm not i mean not this one but like i was also just talking about in general like don't worry (laughs) we'll get to civil war later no no but uh, I mean, like all the other big new superheroes didn't really make a billion dollars, so we could talk about those as well. It felt like with Doctor Strange and like a bunch of the characters, they might have just been doing the Tony Stark thing again. Well, that's something I wanted to bring up because if I neither of us watched all of Phase One for this, right? Oh, going into watching it today, yeah, going no. into no. So my memory of Phase One is I didn't watch Incredible Hulk or Iron Man 2 ever. You know what? Uh, Incredible Man... Hulk isn't even on Disney+. Plus. That's weird. I, we can get into that after. <laughs> Iron Man is very much Robert Downey Jr. quipping and doing stuff. And then Cap and Thor are like really serious dramas. I, based on my they... memory. In comparison to other Marvel movies, right? I mean... Cap feels more like a biopic in the sense of how it spans the time frame and like jumps around a lot. But, but tonally, they're they're more serious. There's not as much quipping, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and I kind of miss that. This felt like the first movie, unless I'm misremembering, in, in which everyone has a quip, everyone's ready with a remark, rather than just Tony Stark. It's yeah. not everyone like. Thor is not really quipping too much other than he's adopted. Um, Cap doesn't have to get too many. Um, but it, it like Tony has stuff. Uh, Natasha has stuff. Loki has stuff. And I that felt very Joss Whedon as someone who watched Firefly, Angel, and Buffy, in which everyone's ready to, to, to put a one-liner. I think that kind of influenced every movie coming later. Especially right. all the Avengers, especially you know Doctor Strange quips, Spider Man quips, Captain Marvel quips. It's 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 kind of in the DNA of Marvel now, and this is the first time we saw that. Um, which is kind of a shame because I don't know how I necessarily feel about uh, Whedon esque stuff at this point. <laughs> like it's fine, and like 
I'm fine with it in micro doses, but like, I don't know. I don't really like it on this huge scale with like this long. Did you, did you laugh? At, I laughed a couple times in this movie. I mean, there were many moments where it felt like it was trying to be too clever, but like it was really simple things. I think I, that just feels like typical Josh, Josh Whedon. Yeah, and I didn't, I didn't enjoy that. Like okay. the moment where uh, Loki just showed up at the base, and then it's like, "I'm here to help you be at peace." And then uh, Fury's like, "The way you're talking, it makes me think you're after the other thing." It's like, "Oh ho ho!" Because the opposite of peace is war, and like he's gonna fight them. Yeah. That's that's what <laughs> it's it's just the dude style, and obviously uh, we don't. I don't know if we want to go deep into this. Joss Whedon is kind of problematic now. No, um, I don't even. What what did he do? I don't remember. Um, his wife, his ex wife, accused him of being anti feminist and uh, being a piece of shit in their marriage, and then everyone who. All the, like, Ray Fisher and Gal Gadot were kind of like, hey, we didn't have a great time working with him in Justice League. He wasn't great. It's like, yeah. Well, but uh, that that Justice League thing, thank God we won't have to tackle that because that's a entire... How do you know that the Snyder Cut's not going to make a billion dollars? A billion dollars as a <laughs> miniseries on HBO Max. I mean, maybe it'll push those subscriptions so high. Oh, let's take a sec to talk about the cast. Okay. I enjoy the cast in this movie very much. Uh, I, um, I enjoy the Chris's. Chris's. The, the, the abundance of Chris's is starting to develop here, and that's, that's nice. That's fair. Um, let me start off with. I'm I I don't get as crazy about the Marvel movies as seems like everyone on the internet does. But right. whenever they name an actor I love, I'm like, yes, this actor is gonna have a chance to have some fun, okay, bring their profile up. I'm gonna start seeing like I'm excited that uh Florence Pugh and Haley Steinfeld are joining the MCU because now they're gonna be in so much more stuff. And I love both of them. David Harbors, Rachel Weiss are joining, like I'm always excited that it gives actors an opportunity to be these bigger names and do great stuff when I love the actor already. And just how it's, they always look badass in their costumes. Um, I mean, at this point, I'm just so like done with the whole uh, like hype cycle involved with these movies. Sure. I care more about the actors in the, the movies. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, rewatching this one, it's like, God damn, it's so white. <laughs> yes. You do notice it's that. Oh, so white. <laughs> you do notice. Hey, they have Nick. Wait, where did I put it? You have Nick Fury. Is this a Nick Fury figure? Yes. I mean, the I, I think the only reason why it was uh, Samuel L. Jackson is because when he they did the, the redesign, they used it off of Sam Jackson. And then he was like, if you make the movie, I have to be that role. <laughs> yeah. It is very white. They've, they've, thankfully, they've been kind of working on that with Black Panther. You got Shang, uh, Shang Chi, right, coming up. Uh, in, in the uh, it, Eternals—that's what it's called. Look at that cast. It's, it's, it's 
a cavalcade of great names of different ethnicities and races and etc. Can't um, wait for them to try the Bollywood style in the same way they tried the comedy style for I think, Thor Ragnarok. I think that'll literally be one scene <laughs> that they felt the need to uh, get excited about. But um, yeah, very white, but like, oh, it's weird to say, but like after that, um, it's it's nice to see Mark Ruffalo not be a bumbling idiot and be serious. I've as seen Bruce much of Banner. his stuff. I meant in the MCU. It's not that I dislike what's with what they're doing with Banner and Hulk now, but like, he's kind of scary in this movie. Oh, oh, we'll talk about that when we get to those movies. We will talk about. <laughs> But like he's kind of scary in the beginning, and he's very serious. And him and Natasha, like that relationship, never made sense to me. But him and Scarlett Johansson work well together. Um, That's another aspect I I really don't like about these movies is how they treat the Black Widow. Like she has, like she has romantic chemistry or like something going on with every single member. Do they do that with every member? They do it with Captain America. They do it with Hawkeye. They do it with Hulk. I don't. Th- I never got the sense they did it with Hawkeye, especially because you go to Hawkeye married to Linda Cardellini. I mean, it was before that, though. Um, I think they kind they kind of with Cap in Winter Soldier, I guess, right? Yeah, I haven't seen that movie in a while, so I'd need to rewatch that. But I don't remember there being much. Uh, sexual tension between them in that movie. It's more like it was used for ha-has in that movie. Hmm. Where, like, they were on the they were on the escalator and, like, the other person was coming down and was like, oh, how do we hide our faces? Smoosh. But it's not, there was, there was not actual sexual tension between them. There is a bit. No, because Cap is still in love with Peggy and he, he kind of has a thing for, like, her granddaughter. It's it's kind of there, uh, I'm or gonna... maybe it's like one sided with like Black Widow on Cap, which I think would be even worse. But like, uh, I'll but watch I digress. that movie when we get to Civil War. Um, I, I I enjoy Scarlett Johansson in this movie, Jeremy Renner. Um, what I, I feel like Jeremy Renner is just there. Yeah, but he does it well. Does he <laughs> again? Like. There's no great character development, no big emotional journey for them, but like they look cool <laughs> and deliver one line, one liners well. I'll be honest, the only thing I thought when I saw him is like all the songs he's released in 2020. <laughs> Wait, Jeremy Renner's released multiple songs in 2020. He's released two albums. Holy crap! <laughs> why have I why have I been listening to Taylor Swift, and not Jeremy Renner? I'm so intrigued now, and I will be looking for that. He never said he was sorry. Never sorry. <laughs> did you ever watch Tag? I did. I enjoyed that one. I I enjoyed it as well. I like, like in the end. It also when... felt like he was just there. No, I was gonna say I like in the end credits when he's singing about something. Do you remember the end credits? I don't. Um, Chris Hemsworth really doesn't have a lot to do. I like that him and Tom Hiddleston are doing a lot of. Uh, acting in the park scene. Good for you. You know, when I was watching this movie, I was like, 
I, I don't get what all the hype was about Loki. Um, I don't either. He he's mischievous. He's mischievous. Like, I don't know. He just did the Joker thing. Did did Tom Hiddleston have a huge fan base? Like was he in like I think it was like he was a heartthrob else? sort of thing. But like what else was it just but just for Loki? Like no one watched Thor relatively. I mean, I I know he's like a big actor in Britain. Sure. No, but like I I same thing like it felt like he was one of the biggest actors for like a year or two. Yeah. It was like and he's he's fun in this. He's a fun villain, but like I I I don't know. I thought I, it does feel like you're expecting more because he was such a big deal. I'll be honest. For me, I really couldn't connect to any of the like acting in this. Really, it all felt like just set up for the next. Like, here's this moment, and like here's this set piece, and this set piece. Um, I'll bring up the name Robert Downey Jr. because I have this memory of being in a an acting class and someone asked uh asks the teacher about like hey what about those actors you're like kind of themselves in every movie and brought up robert downey jr and the teacher's like well he does that now but like he's a great actor he can do other stuff and i think people look at downey jr in this movie as him playing himself but um it's just because like he doesn't put on a voice or or changes how he walks or anything he's he he's still a character playing Tony Stark. And there are moments um, where he does get to flex his acting muscles. There's one line in particular. Let me look for the line that I wrote down. Um, I'm looking at my notes. Notes are very fun. It'd be nice if I knew where I put this note. There's something he said. Ah, yes. Near the end. Near the end where I think the missile was coming. He says, Put everything we got in the thrusters, which is a very simple line. And yet there was so much desperation and fatigue in the way he, he brought it to life. And it's those little moments. I'm like, yes, this is good. Because that's all you get in these movies because it's not. Uh, it, it went over my head if that was there. I literally don't remember that moment. <laughs> It's a very little thing. It's a very little thing. I it's understandable. Um, but yeah, I, I I enjoy watching these actors have fun in these costumes and occasionally get a chance to act. <laughs> By the way, the first moment where I realized, like, oh, most of the cinematography in this movie is pretty mediocre to bad, is uh when uh Scarlett Johansson's talking to Mark Ruffalo in india and like she has to pull out the gun and it's just like extremely centered and it's like half focused like they do a rack shot sort of thing yeah it's the the head on on the barrel of the gun right it's it just feels wrong <laughs> why because i i looked at them like huh this is more than i expected from this movie i i don't know it just felt like it felt awkward and the way they just kept cutting back to that and like doing the normal like shot reverse shot and then just that and like going just going back and forth between that the editing for that was a bit uh 
it it was a bit jarring. That's the word. I was not thrown off, but that's an interesting point. Um, let's mention the guy who you're insulting his autobiography. Uh, Seamus McGarvey seems to be his name. Other films he's worked on are uh, Atonement. We need to talk about Kevin. Godzilla. Nocturnal Animals. The Greatest Showman. Bad Times at the El Royale. Ooh. But don't worry. He has stuff like Pan and Charlotte's Web. You know what? I really like the cinematography in Godzilla. Too bad that's not the movie we're talking about. This I know. But like there there was one shot in that where they were g- entering the city and like you got a POV shot from the like uh hel- the jumpers from the helicopter mm-hmm. as they're like descending and in, descending into it and like it goes from like the night sky to this red. That's and it's just like this uh ominous sort of vibe. It was pretty solid. It, going into that, mm-hmm. it's interesting that none of the iconic moments in this film, um, the assemble moment, the the puny god moment, etc., are you know the shot. It's it's what happens in the shot, right? Which kind of goes into what you're saying, and it's kind of. I haven't rewatched most of these movies, so it's hard to tell, but it feels like it's so much of it is about what happens rather than how it happens or what it really means that it happened. And so it's right. so focused on the story beats and the events that the, the artistry behind the way it's shot or something is lost a little. I'm not going to go as far as you say that it's bad. But I also do not have that type of eye. I mean, another moment for me where it was kind of, it took me out of it was uh, in that fight between um, Captain America and Iron Man against Thor, where like Thor makes that huge leap and then Cap brings out the shield. The way uh, just that that scene is very very dark and hard to tell what's going on. However. I think what that scene does very well, um, especially if you don't know these characters, right? I noticed that in this movie, no one's like, oh, Cap, your shield's made of vibranium? Is that what it's made of? Something like that. Um, and it's the strongest shield of all time. You know, no one's like that. But you have the fight between Iron Man and Thor where they're equals, and it's Cap who breaks it with just his shield. And I found that that scene did a good job of establishing the dynamic and their, their, the power and how strong they are without explicitly saying, hey, this shield is the strongest thing in the world. But also, another, like, I agree, very dark, hard to tell what's going on. Another thought I had while watching this movie is that, man, that it's really about power levels and it's like, I'm going to punch you harder than you could punch me. And I, and I made, it made me think like, man, maybe I, I do, would like more gimmick based powers in these movies. Such as big wheel. <laughs> uh, uh, please. Exp- that, that's a, that's a Marvel. That's a Spider-Man villain. Okay. Whose, whose thing is like 
he's got he's got a big wheel that he uses as like a weapon. It's it's a big wheel. Something like Rhino in uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2, even though I haven't seen that movie. Uh, Rhino doesn't fight in that movie. But like from the trailer <laughs> shots that I've seen, hey, that, that looked fun. That looked fun. Let me explain to you what Rhino does in that movie. The opening of Amazing Spider-Man 2, he's like being chased by Peter. He has no costume or powers or anything yet. He's just in a car and he gets arrested. And then in the final, like, 10 minutes, he comes back, like, oh, Peter, I'm going to fight you. I'm Paul Giamatti. And you know what? Like, a better example, I think, him. would be uh, Sandman in Spider-Man 3. So you want more supernaturally superpowers. Yeah, or just, like... Because I'd argue they're getting to that now with Doctor Strange, uh, uh, Scarlet Witch, uh, even Vision... I mean, but in Ant a sense, Man. it just it's just reduced down to the pew pew still. I have no comment because I don't know what like Eternals do. So maybe that could be more fun. What does Shang Chi do? I think part of that is the the fear of hey, we don't want to be too weird because people think we're comic book stuff and for nerds. And obviously, it's been it's evolved since then. Everyone's into comic book movies now, but um, yeah, it's really weird when you hear them talk about like, "Hey, we don't know if a minority will lead this," and then Black Panther comes out and does gangbusters. We don't know if a woman can lead this. Wonder Woman and Captain Marvel make a shit ton of money. I'll be on. I was watching this. I was like, Scott Johansson, you're very good as Natasha Romanoff. I think that's her name. Why did it take them eight years to give you a movie? That's the other thing. They keep, like, establishing her backstory, but, like, never doing anything with it. No. And I will say, um, I believe I read that the previous head of Marvel, who was running Marvel at the time, was against putting women leads in minorities. And so it was like, maybe that's why. Maybe it's because you had a shit of head in charge. That does stuff. I mean, it would have been nice to also have more backstory on Hawkeye. Okay, he has a family who's never mentioned or does anything. What a waste. We're going to get to Ultron later, but what a waste of Linda Cardellini, one of the finest underappreciated actresses of our day. Great in Freaks and Geeks. Um, supposedly, she's great in Dead, Dead to Me. I haven't been watching that, but she's supposed to be great in that. Um, Scooby-Doo, she's iconic. As Velma in the Scooby Doo movies, and which ones? The live action ones from like the early two thousands, the James uh, Gunn's one. Um, I see, I see. But yeah, she's terrific, and and she's just his wife, who has nothing, no powers. Where's her? Where's her MCU movie? All right, she better be in Hawkeye TV show. Oh right, they're also making a shit ton of TV shows at this point. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I haven't even touched my notes yet. We've had such a great conversation. Kobe Smulders. Mm -hmm. Wasted in these movies as well. Uh, yeah. I, I was a big fan of How I Met Your Mother. Yeah. And it's weird that she's in like one of the biggest TV shows of the century, arguably, right? Very popular show. She's in 
uh, the she's been in the biggest film franchise for eight years now. I feel like most people don't know her name still because she's barely in the MCU movies, and she looks really fucking cool doing this stuff. Like as much as I didn't love that first, how much did she do? Like I just remember her shooting once. Yeah, I don't love that first action sequence, but she looks really cool. Like pulling out the gun, hiding behind stuff. Like I want to see her do more stuff, (laughs) but she doesn't. It's a shame because she looks like a badass doing that stuff. Um. Very much a lot of uh, Joss Whedon-esque stuff I mentioned. Um, Widow intro is awesome. Oh, that's that's the, the interrogation scene with, with Black yeah. Widow. Uh, felt straight out of Buffy. She's in charge, even if she, it doesn't uh, obviously appear to be. Lots of quips. Lots of, oh, this is happening now? I guess it is. And that becomes funny. Um, I mean, it was it was fun, but like I, as soon as the action started, there were so many cuts. It was hard to make sense of anything. I, but yes, I mean, it was it, okay. I can't say it was impossible to make sense of what was happening. It just felt like they were deliberately not showing it to you. It feels like these movies are more focused on giving you a lot rather than something more um, how do I say this did that make sense not really it's 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 focusing on spectacle rather than these these well like well i mean the thing is like they kept cutting on the impact or like right before it so you never actually saw the hit yes which i think many online have brought up as like one of the reasons why it's not incredible action like it's not john wick have i only seen one john wick yes does it have better action than any mcu movie yes did you did you ever see john wick chapter three parabellum I have it on Blu-ray. Have you ever seen John Wick Chapter 3? Parabellum? I, I, I saw it in theaters, okay. yes. I just I have like one or two Blu-rays they still haven't opened it and watched yet. But um like the stuff they do with a knife in that movie. Side side tangent. I love how like in the first John Wick they bring up as like an anecdote like how he killed someone with a pencil. And then in John Wick 2 it shows up as like an opportunity and he doesn't. I haven't seen the first two John Wicks, but he does kill someone with a book in John Wick <laughs> chapter three. Um, really creepy, yeah. really creepy. Let's make note of how uh, this is a back-to-back appearance of Natalie Portman in these movies. Natalie Portman and Sam Jackson. These, these They're the only two actors... Oh, yeah, he was also in episode one. Yeah, very odd. Um, Yeah, none of the other actors, I think, have appeared in billion-dollar movies. And from now on, they'll appear, like, every month. We'll get to them in one of these episodes. But um, always nice to see them. Sam Jackson, lots of fun. 
I, I Natalie Portman was on a screen. She was on a screen very quickly. <laughs> I hate. Like, thankfully, she's going to be the next Thor or whatever. But I kind of hate how little they used Natalie Portman in like. I feel like half of that was her decision. Maybe. But like. Because it like. It feels weird. <laughs> it feels weird that they get Natalie Portman. And she's just the love interest and nothing else in the, the first way, two Thors. From what I understand, in terms of how Hugo Weaving describes it, is that they don't necessarily pay you much to like make an appearance or show up in the movie, but they expect a lot of time out of you for those small appearances. That makes sense. That like makes you got to work around their schedule. So of course they're not going to show up for all the small moments. Sure. And well, they, if you look at the MCU, I, I did, I read a, a report or something on this topic. Um, like they focus on getting smaller named actors for the big leads whenever they can, because they were cheaper. And they can get to commit to those long deals because they're still trying to make their name, you know? Chris Hemsworth, who was he before? Thor. He was on the Australian Dancing with the Stars. So he must have been a star by that point. Yes. But the Austra- he was an Australian star, not, a, not an American star. Chris Evans, he, his biggest movie was, what, Fantastic Four? And even then... Uh, yeah, like, he was... Honestly, though, he was great in that movie. I've never seen them. Uh, I have the first one on DVD. Hmm. But even now... Not a a particularly good movie, but he was fun in it. Even now, like, Elizabeth Olsen wasn't a giant name as an actress when she got cast, right? Um, I guess not, yeah. I feel like Florence Pugh filmed Black Widow as her name became the biggest name in movies. Probably. Like, that's, that's what they do and then they save the big names for like Robert Redford Redford as the villain in Winter Soldier. Interesting what they do. Or Christopher Eccleston as the dark elf. Dark world, right? Yes. He he didn't even really get a name. He was the dark elf. (laughs) I don't remember (laughs) anything about that movie. I mean, I remember the big fight sequence was like they were imitating portal that sounds awesome <laughs> what oh. you really don't remember that i don't remember anything in that movie that that fight scene was pretty fun actually with like the portal jumping maybe i should i won't rewatch it let's be honest um so you are pretty down in, is there anything you liked from it because there's a lot of i think there's a lot of cool ideas um. that just seeing them live on screen makes it cool yeah, this was the first showing of the big beam in the sky. <laughs> <laughs> you were really excited for this when we started this podcast. And I was like, it's not showing up for, me for weeks. And then you got very sad and I apologize, but you're welcome. I feel like there wasn't much of a, how do you close this thing? As I expected, like it was very simple to close the beam in the sky. Yeah, again, it felt like one of those things was like, um established like oh here's the thing to do do this do that it's so fast moving that you don't get to really land on it but also there's no there's not much weight to it at the same time sure because like it could be argued that infinity war is the same way and we'll get to that when we get to that but i feel differently about that is there a beam in infinity war there's a beam in almost all of them 
But is that that argument of it being too fast? It, like, is that just not part of the theme park attraction description? Here, here's what here's something I always thought about, and it's kind of not as applicable anymore now that both franchises kind of evolved and took the turns and what. But in this era of comic book movie, right? If you look mm-hmm. at what Marvel was doing with the MCU and then the DC Universe was doing with like Dark Knight and Man of Steel. I always felt like DC was trying to put their characters in the real world while Marvel was trying to put comic books on screen. Well, in that sense, you got to also like understand where DC was coming from because Batman and Robin tanked. Sure. So they went like basically the opposite direction of that. Yeah, but I, I, I'm I'm just saying like Marvel. It never felt like they're going for anything deep. They just wanted to get these characters on screen doing cool shit because that's cool and fun to look at. I guess, but like my issue with this one is like it isn't. I I. I feel like the framing adds a lot and it wasn't necessarily framed the best. So it didn't feel as epic as it was intending for. I Again, I found moments like I probably shouldn't have, but when, when the puny God scene with Hulk is bashing Loki around, I laughed and I was like, Oh, I, I feel like I remember the feeling of the audience cracking up during this and it felt like it was so much longer than the scene actually the moment actually is or like i still love this the when um banner finally comes on the scooter which doesn't make any sense (laughs) where did he find the scooter how did he know where they were um and they're like uh uh, bruce uh, we better get angry we better suit up he turns like you want to know my secret and it's a close-up of him like i'm always angry Okay, that was one shot that actually did feel really nice. The score I I really liked that moment. Shout out to Alan Silvestri who did the score for this. And uh, I believe he does the score for all the Avenger movies in the MCU. And that theme hits in. That theme. And he punches the fucking flying monster. And it kind of crashes down. And then I didn't realize after that is the group shot of it going around. It's like, yeah, those moments are iconic now i'll be honest this is the this is also the first moment where like damn i'm really turning into my dad what does that mean just like the monsters it was just so much cgi like it didn't feel real i don't disagree I, i mean like some of the like individual like monsters like the people felt more realistic but like the big ships i have a question is part of that the fact that it hasn't aged well because every movie since has done it yeah that's added to it too again it feels like this movie was riding on a spectacle that has since just been repeated to death yeah which i don't know if that's the movie's fault kind of is kind of isn't right I mean, it's just a, it's a problem of power creep. And if you have, if you, if you base your piece only on spectacle, 
and you keep going and you like, we got to raise the stakes. That just makes your previous work obsolete in retrospect. Well, that I feared that going into this, but then I watched, I'm like, I like, I, the, the helicarrier scenes were so felt so much more intimate. It was darker. It was, it was a lot of one-on-one scenes. And so like, I liked the Tony, uh, so the, the thing that I, I really liked from the hel- the helicarrier breaking apart and stuff was the uh, Tony Stark and uh, Captain America bit where they had to like get the turnbine running again. Hmm. That was actually really well done in my opinion in terms of like setting up a situation that's pretty different and like a spectacle in its own way and like setting up the stakes really well. But even not spectacle. Like I loved, I really enjoyed the scene of uh, Loki and Natasha when Loki thinks that he's outsmarting her and scaring her, and at the end she's like, "I know your plan. I tricked you." And Loki's like, "What?" And then she goes into the, and then she goes into. That's the another shot where it felt like they could have done that so much better. <laughs> I liked it. There's one shot of, um. From kind of Loki's side, looking at her through the glass, but then you get Loki's reflection, and Loki's reflection rose. Really, I felt like it could have been done. It looks so dirty. (laughs) But like, I also liked the the argue when everyone's arguing in the office, and then the camera kind of like swoops around them and comes on and like looks at the the scepter, and it's upside down. Everyone's upside down while it's looking at them. Like, I I I thought maybe it's just because I was expecting to not like anything about this movie but i i i they had some choices that were fun they the it was it was a nice change from what i expect from a marvel movie now nowadays because it isn't at an 11 the entire time I liked. I like one um, thing uh one thing that uh, i was reminded of was um when they like the helicarrier started going up, I was like, I remembered the Thunderbirds movie, starring uh, Vanessa Hudgens, I think. Uh, I don't remember the movie much, but I for Thunderbirds. But I had the uh, the like spate like the ship toy set, <laughs> so it's like, yeah, we're going to go on the ship and sit the like this huge like super fast flying machine that's huge and we're gonna save the world from the air it's like i i played with that a lot like that i was like you know what yeah that's that's totally out of that sort of moment i feel like the reference to a toy from the 2004 film thunderbirds it's the type of content people come to this podcast for where else what other marvel conversation will you find a reference like that <laughs> Are you kidding me? This is quality. Insightful. Revolutionary to the world of podcasting. Thunderbirds. Uh one one uh quip that uh Tony Stark had that that uh I I made note of hmm. was uh when he, when he, they were planning where they were going to move and then Hawkeye was like I could shoot them from up there. And Tony says, better clench up, Legolas. So that establishes that the Lord of the Rings franchise exists within the Marvel Cinematic Universe. How does that work when Cate Blanchett was in those movies and is in the Marvel Universe? So 
it doesn't necessarily establish the movies. It establishes the books. Oh, I see. Wow. Wow. And then it got me thinking. It's like, man, now I understand why a lot of movies or like TV shows usually don't tend to uh, reference other cultural works. Hey. Because then you invite comparisons. <laughs> hey. <laughs> What was wrong with referencing Squidward? You know. And what? In Infinity War, uh, Stark calls one of the aliens Squidward. He's like, would Tony Stark know who Squidward is? I mean, it's also the thing of like cultural moments being referenced or like thrown in. Like how Bright had that moment at the beginning where Will Smith says, fairy lives don't matter today. <laughs> What? <laughs> so for context of that scene to show how Will Smith is kind of like a rude dude cop there's like some fairies on his front lawn that are just causing a ruckus so then he comes out with his broom and starts smacking them and then like the neighbors come out and is like what's wrong with you he just like fairy lives don't matter today <laughs> thank god I've never seen that movie <laughs> Thank God. Um, I was going to bring up something. What are we talking about before that? Oh, yeah. the Because part of the quippiness uh, in the later Marvel movies is also the fact that there's so many references to pop culture. Um, that's 100%, 100% the DNA of Joss Whedon. Like, he did that all the time in Buffy. And so it's interesting that that was also brought, back, brought into the MCU as a whole because, like, was there pop culture references in Thor? I mean, it was a fish out of water story, so there probably were. But to this extent? Maybe I'm maybe I'm misremembering, but like Captain America First Adventure probably didn't do that. Incredible um, Hulk. There was a little bit at the end of that Captain America. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, not probably not to this extent, but like it was there. Hmm. Like I'm pretty sure Iron Man made those quips before. Sure, and and I that's why I didn't say Iron Man because like he probably did. Yeah, it, not, it, like it, the seeds were there. Sure. So, just to make sure, there's no scenes that you're like, this is really cool to look at. Um, so I said the Hulk one. Yes. Um, the missile going into space and Tony falling back down. That was pretty cool. That's cool. I liked when Tony first is introduced again and he lands on this, 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 the Stark Tower and he walks and they're slowly pulling the suit apart. They, they do a lot of fun things with the suits throughout um, his thing, which we'll also get into later. I liked I liked him putting on the bracelets and then him being thrown out the building and then the suit coming on and saving him. Um, uh, there was something I wanted to bring up next. Where did I put it in my notes? I have so many notes. So many notes. Did you notice that no one has a smartphone in this movie? That just threw me off. Like 2012, 
people had smartphones in 2012. Yeah. But I mean, at that point, it might also be, I, I could imagine them having Blackberries instead of smartphones. Okay. Um, I really enjoyed Gwyneth Paltrow's little stuff in this movie. Her and, her and Robert Downey Jr. play off each other very well. And that's an element I completely forgot about the MCU. There's there's a terrible joke I've read that's that was like Gwyneth Paltrow must be a great actor because she portrays humans. <laughs> it really does sound like <laughs> she doesn't understand humanity, but I always enjoy her whenever I see her on screen. Like I don't think I haven't seen whenever too much she's of her. not whenever she's not slinging goop <laughs> or naming her child Apple. That's my favorite. Facts Did about... you hear about why she named her company Goop? I, was there a reason? She was like, all the big uh, like tech companies have a double O somewhere in their name. <laughs> well, I enjoyed the little horror elements when uh, when uh, Bruce first turns into the Hulk, is tossed off tossed out of the office and Natasha's trying like, uh, Bruce, don't, don't turn. Uh, you can, again, that was giving me TV vibes. Interesting. You just don't like TV. No, I mean, that was particularly giving me like primetime TV Is vibes. Is it an element of cheesiness? A little bit, but like also it felt like it, it was just reminding me of some shit that I might have seen on Lost. Like you're insulting Lost, and there's. I mean, Lost is a solid show, but like, it definitely didn't have the budget or like, the like elevation on an episode to episode basis that this did. So you're saying you just were expecting flashier, not flashier, but like, what am I trying? What am I thinking of? I mean, okay. It could be argued that I'm asking for too much or like that's not where the focus is, but yeah, that's how I felt. That's fair. Did you like the um kind of tracking shot? Well, it was so much CGI of like um when it goes through like Natasha. When they were breaking apart the things and they were running straight forward. What are you talking about? I'm talking during that same fight with Natasha and Hulk. No, no, no. When Natasha, well, in the final fight, when Natasha's like flying on the thing, and then you see Iron Man land and like shoot the laser off to Cap Shield, and then they and then they show uh, Hawkeye who like shoots the arrow toward like Hulk and and Thor are fighting together. Like I liked seeing them work together, which is the point of this movie. The point of this movie is seeing these characters come together. I I just love the way you explained that scene. It's, well, it's, it's totally like an eight-year-old. It's like, and then he did the, the then, pew pew. Then he did the pew pew, <laughs> and then the lace shots, and then and then he pushes the shield up, and Natasha goes up and grabs onto the thing, <laughs> and then and then she somehow pulls herself forward and grabs onto the alien man, even though like it's zooming very fast, like zoom zoom zoom, but she somehow grabs. And on. it's not Mazda. It's not Mazda. It's it's a Honda. <laughs> Like I, I like the end when like Loki's like, I guess I'll have my drink now, and it's him looking at the entire, all of them staring at him menacingly. So I know you had a problem with uh, 
Star Wars Episode One in its lore. But sure. in that moment, I was like, no, he's an Asgardian. Human drinks won't get him drunk. <laughs> Is that a thing? They're supposed to be like, you know, stronger and like more capable than you. I feel like they drink mead. They don't drink alcohol. This, this <laughs> franchise forgets that Thor and Loki are gods. But they bring it up so often in the they dialogue. Say it. They say it, but never does anything. Like, Iron Man should not be as strong as Thor. But the thing is, human technology brings us to the level of gods. It's social commentary, Masinson. God from the machine. Hey, Cap told me there's only one god. Yeah, what was the weirdest that? line? <laughs> Hold on, I think I wrote it down. There's one god, ma'am. And it what? sure doesn't look like him. <laughs> I, this movie. This movie, I think, unintentionally tackled, like, touched on that. Um, like, the fact the, they were trying to make nuclear weapons with so the thing uh, is tesseract. In that line, it inherently tied Americanism to, to evangelicalism. <laughs> yep. Yep. Again, yep. like that, that. There's a downside to quippiness. I didn't say there wasn't. <laughs> so we have. I forgot about that whole Germany section, and that weird oh, thing about like that? Loki like stabs oh, the dude yeah, in the where... eye. I didn't need that. That was uh, where they go, f where he like interrupts the Philharmonic or some shit. Yeah. What did it reminded me of something? What did that remind me? Whatever, it doesn't matter. That that sure was a sequence. I feel like that's the one thing. I'm he like, went Joker mode. Sure, sure enough. That's the one sequence. I'm like, this could have been cut. For sure, this could have been cut. Again, it was another thing that felt really heavy-handed. Where it's like, the last time I came to Germany and someone was standing over everyone, he wasn't right. <laughs> I was trying to think of what the old man said, and I and I thought I'm like that's not what the old man said, but the old that, man that, said that was like a Spider Man. That. that was a Sam Raimi Spider Man moment. I've never seen those movies and have no reason to. Let, that, let's be that honest. was a Sam Raimi Spider Man moment. Done, yeah. not as well because this movie wasn't going for that vibe. You know, it was a weird moment. I don't know if I appreciate that it kind of tried to do something, or was, I'm just like, why? When Clint is first, like, out of the days of being brainwashed, and then, like, the colors are different, and it's kind of shaky cam when him and Natasha are, like, in the, the, the resting room. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Side note. Side note. I just remembered this YouTube video I saw the other day where it was, like, <laughs> when the evil villain, like, brainwashes your friend to fight into fighting you, and then it just has, like... The guy's like, oh, you, so he's a bad, he's brainwashed to be a bad guy now, right? He just beats the shit out of him. It's like, and then the bad guy's like, wait, no, no, that's your friend. What are you doing? I see. I see what you're saying. Now. It took me a second. I, I was like, very confused. And then he just keeps beating on him. And it's like, all right, damn, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. It's like, all right. It's like, you did that to him. I didn't ask you to. And then he's like, would you have undone the brainwashing if I didn't do it? It's like, I, I, I guess not. 
I appreciated in the final sequence the shots of people running, running in horror and terror. I feel like you never get that from the civilians in most superhero movies. What what are you talking about? Do you not remember the beginning to Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice? I genuinely do not. So where it's a retread of the Man of Steel, like uh, oh, I climax, see. But from the and perspective of Ben this. Affleck in the There's ground. There's a reason I chose to forget it. Because nine eleven. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> shout outs to Ashley Johnson. Do you know who Ashley Johnson is? Who is Ashley Johnson? So in this film, she played like the waitress lady who's always being saved by Cap and then gives an interview at the ah, end. Ah, yes, yes, yes. You know that actress? That name sounds familiar. Oh, she's the she's she's in the Last of Us. She's Ellie from the Last of Us. She's in the Last of Us. Two time BAFTA award winner Ashley Johnson having a little, little role there. Big fan of her. Also known for Infinity Train. I feel like I know what this is. It's it's the it's the. Cartoon Network show that's now an HBO Max show. Oh, she's a she's an established voice actress. Yes, yes. Um, what else is there to talk about with this? I think I hit about everything I wanted to hit. Mention all the stuff I found to be cool. I like. I'll be honest. When they're suiting up for the for, for the final fight. And like Thor's like building thunder for some reason, and then uh, Cap, Black Widow, and Hawkeye are like walking to the helicopter, and then the music's playing. Like that was cool. This is a cool movie. You Do know, I... it kind of reminded me of like the X Men. I've never seen like when they would suit up to like go out for a fight, except their costumes were more colorful. Hmm. And here, not X Men. I I will say I noticed in the Helicarrier stuff that like so much of it is gray. That I kind of allowed, even though it's not like, like bright colors, like the red in uh, Thor's cape or like the blue in, in Cap's costume or like the purple of Banner's shirt pops out a little bit more in the gray. Yeah, it's more focused on the people than the nice. scenery, which also helps to cheat the fact that uh, they keep cutting to the same bridge in the final fight. <laughs> yeah, that makes no sense. We've mentioned this multiple It makes no sense. Are they calling the aliens to come there? Well, I think the idea is we weren't supposed to notice that. <laughs> sure. It's <was> very obvious. <laughs> also, I said this earlier. How did Bruce know where they were? He I didn't mean, have he an He saw the big light in the sky. <laughs> yeah, they weren't near that. They weren't near Stark Tower during that fight, were they? They were. I think Stark Tower is supposed to be like a block or two away from that area. Okay. And like it's Grand Central Station, so of course it's a hub point. Sure. I wish I had this idea uh, for the, for our next segment, but I'll say it here. Uh, Bruce Banner getting off his scooter at Port Authority, hoping that they were there. It's like, where, where is he, everyone? And it's a tease for what Bruce would become in the later films. Wait, what do you mean a tease for what he would become? An idiot. Oh, okay. I miss this Bruce Banner. 
I, I, I might have enjoyed Edward Norton more. <laughs> I've still never seen it. Also, we kind of brought this up how it starts off with the Paramount logo, which is very odd. Yes. Um, so for those who may not remember, Disney bought Marvel in like 2010, 2011. And Paramount already had a deal with Marvel to do the movies. Mm-hmm. So Disney basically bought out the rights to distribute Avengers and then from there to start distributing them. But part of that deal was that Paramount would be credited for the Avengers. So it starts okay. off with the Paramount logo, but at the very end, the credit says distributed by Walt Disney Company. And I Speaking of the credits for a sec, sure. I, I want to give a shout out and an RIP to Chris Cornell. Chris Cornell, please. Uh, uh, the do you remember the song that's at the start of the credits? No, what's the song? The song? Uh, Live to Rise, which was written for this movie. Huh. Um, I don't know if the rest of the band was involved, but like Soundgarden, great '90s band, mm. great '90s like uh, grunge rock style. Um, yeah, they gave a nice, like. Uh, just genuine rocker to this movie. That's good. That's good. To rock your socks off, because obviously your socks were still very much on. Paul, why do you think this movie made a billion dollars? Uh, because no, I saw this superhero in this movie, and that superhero was in that movie, and they were not connected, but... I know it's so easy to mock now, and I also <laughs> want to mock it, but like... Yeah. <laughs> We've never seen anything like that in 2012. I mean, it could be argued that like X-Men was kind of what that was. But those characters are known for being together through like not just the comics, but like the cartoon was popular. Which These- it's actually kind of interesting to look at the uh comics backstory in terms of this, because you know why the Avengers was actually initially like made. I, I do not. I, I don't know too much about Because that. they needed a team-up comic and they were still working on X-Men and it wasn't ready to publish. That's funny. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. I, I In retrospect, I kind of wonder, like, did Disney help market this so much because it was Disney that it, it, it became so giant, comparatively? Um, but yeah, this was... I think there's very few films on this list that are true event films. You know, really? I think I feel like that's most of them. Right now, as we're early on, it feels like most of them, but I think as we go down the line, it'll be fewer and fewer in between. Like Transformers 3 was definitely an event film. It had an hour long climax. Uh, that 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 was a movie. But I mean like <laughs> an event for like Everyone watched it. Titanic was that. Uh, Avatar was that. Minions. Titanic was that. <laughs> you can't Avatar tell me that. Minions was not a cultural phenomenon. We'll talk about that when we get to it. I do think it's a cultural phenomenon, but I don't know if that movie... Per- we'll, we'll get to it. <laughs> and I think... it was. It's really fucking cool to see it the first time. And I think you still... It, it is possible to replicate that in a rewatch. Not saying it always does. We've both had not too pleasant rewatches, but this time I was like, I got chills. 
They were multiplying, and I'm losing. What I do find interesting, though, is that I do think like the X Men, their skills and like the way they fight is varied enough to make interesting movies. They did try to do singular X Men movies, but it started with X Men Origins Wolverine, which I have on DVD. Did you watch it? I have. Wasn't the plan to do like, like? They did do a well. So the original plan was to make a bunch of X Men Origins yes. movies, but it ended up being a trilogy of Wolverine movies. But I remember them announcing the next character after Wolverine. I can't figure out who it was. Hmm. I was gonna say Gambit, but no, the Gambit movie was a completely different thing they tried to do with Channing Tatum, which I guess is never happening. Side note about uh, X Men Origins Wolverine. Sure, we'll never it get to talk pro- about them. But go on. It, it did provide us an interesting look behind the curtain of uh, with the um, with the cut that was like released illegally like months before the movie came out. Oh, I believe I heard about this. Where you could see a lot of the scenes pre visual effects. And it gives you a peek behind the current as to how these movies get made. That's a fun peek. A fun peek, like this peek we had into our minds and our thoughts about Marvel's The Avengers. Go on. You know, sometimes I forget. I forget, but then while we're doing this podcast, I remember that not every movie is perfect. That's correct. Were you aware of this? You know... There are some days where I forget it. Hmm. This wasn't one of those days. Is it because like <laughs> you watched La La Land that day and you're like, yeah, movies are perfect. <laughs> Reference to earlier before recording when we had discussion about a movie. I love it. I mean, I we've we definitely talked about it on the podcast before as well, how we have the vastly funny... different opinions about this movie. And I've brought it up to bug you multiple times. Yeah, that's times. the funny thing is that I'm the one who loves this movie. You bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> this is probably the first time I intended to bring up La Land. Did I ever tell you I I never figured it out. I kind of wanted to do a parody of La La Land called Nininian. Nininian. New York. Oh, I thought it was gonna be like a Nyan Cat reference. Maybe that. Maybe that's the missing. Dang it! Maybe that was the missing element I needed for the parody. Pawn. Well, you just got a sneak peek into one of Masinton's uh, newest parodies that are how, coming out soon. How would you improve this motion picture? Okay. So first thing. First thing. Um, there's the moment where like Loki's like, you know what? I lost. So I'll take me into custody, Mr. Captain America. <laughs> and then like the way he's in the prison cell and it's like chuckling and all that. It's like, I, I just, I'm here. I'm enjoying it. It reminded me a lot of uh, a certain movie that we talked about in the past. And uh, I'd like to, for some reason, I'd like to imagine that they picked up another person. And then like in the middle of they're sharing a cell. And then over the course of the helicarrier sequences, that that other person says, "My insides hurt, man." Gasp! <laughs> and like no one does anything about it. And then like 
Loki pops out of him. Whoa! <laughs> so this is the probably unnamed man from Dark Knight who has the yes. cell phone in his stomach? Yes. Except in this one, it's Loki in his stomach. Wow. Is it the real Loki? Is, the, is it like an illusion jumping out of his stomach? It's an illusion. Okay. It's like... It's so it's like what happens to Coulson, but like before it actually, it's like foreshadowing that that's gonna happen. I see, I see. <laughs> I love this. Is like the first time you. Uh, this may be the first time you did a move that I usually do in connecting <laughs> the movies we've seen. Go on. So like, there's another moment where like, uh, Miss Mr. Tony Stark shows up on 20... the uh, on the uh, deck. And is like telling, like, you do that, you do that. That person's playing Galaga. Mm. And it's like, and then it cuts to the person playing Galaga. That's that's too simple. That's too simple. Oh, what is he playing? What I'd like to imagine is like it just and then like once Tony leaves, it cuts to him. He's like, Yo, I was just doing my work. But then like right next to him, you just see two guys like, Yeah, I don't know what's wrong. And then like they like change the tab and they're both playing Pong. <laughs> so we don't want more pop culture references but we're gonna add one i like that's that's different sure. um so a question i had when does the swarma scene happen in terms of the timeline fair point fair point because right after the events of the, the thing of the big battle the big hole in the sky being closed. Loki and uh, and our friend Thor are like, peace, we're going to, because we're better than you, we're going to actually deal with this and he'll face, the, he'll face our consequences. Mm -hmm. And then after that, what, and like that's supposed to take place immediately afterwards. Yeah. But in the post, 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 post credits. I think there's only, sure. We see shawarmas. Yeah, wouldn't Loki With be all there? the main characters? Wouldn't Loki be there? Without Loki. Wow. Did they just leave him drinking? <laughs> That's a great question. So the way I'd set it up well, is after the shawarma scene, Another post, 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 post credit scene. As you will. And it's Jarvis pouring Loki some, some sorry you lost mead. Because he can't just drink normal alcohol. He's better than that. No, no. It has to be mead. So I got one more. One more. Shout outs to Paul Bettany, though. Who's Jarvis and later becomes Vision. Ah, cool, cool. Shout outs to that dude. Go on. Um, so now I'm going to make one suggestion that's going to shake this whole thing up. Check it out, check it out. Check it out, check it out. Uh huh. So the way that Nick Fury said Asgard the first time, to me it sounded like Asgard. I saw where you were going. <laughs> what if we... What if that was the case? And like we go further with that direction. Instead of the Avengers, they're the sex Avengers. 
I don't know if I want you to elaborate or not. For the sake of podcasting, elaborate. That that that's just it. Just cool. Just make it slightly more like a porno. <laughs> not not in the sense that there would be sex scenes. Just the cheesiness of it. I think just the cheesiness find, of it. You could probably find that online somewhere. Because like. I, the quips were too smart is what I'm saying. They're trying to be too smart. I see. So it's like, I want just, if you're going to go that route, do some stupid jokes because you're doing stupid jokes that are trying to be smart. Just do the stupid jokes. Name it, Asgard. Please go on that bit for like another 15, 20 seconds as I try to figure out if I have to sneeze or not. Listen, man, like, you know... In the DC comics, they got the whole thing where, like, Power Girl's, like, costume is just her bare chest and how they okay, try to I make it. I don't that. have to sneeze, and thankfully, <laughs> I'm going to stop you right now. And they try to make it into, like, this big moment for her. It was like, it's empty because I don't know who I am. It's like, just be honest, man. You just wanted to show her chest. Own it. I don't know who this character is. So I'm very confused. So, you know how usually there's an emblem on the chest of superheroes? Sure. For that superhero, it's just a a boob window. <laughs> I am not joking. And in the comics, they tried to make this like a character moment by her being like, there's nothing here because I don't know what defines me. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Yeah, comics can be kind of sexist. <laughs> like everything in the world, <laughs> comics could be kind of sexist. Not full on, just kind of. Well, those are some changes. Yeah. Asgard. <laughs> huh. How would you I'm fix sure. this movie? <laughs> <laughs> so as I, as I mentioned... I was bewildered by the spectacle of it all. Mm -hmm. So I decided to take the most iconic part of the MCU films and elaborate. Right? And add a little more groundedness to it, you know, more reality. Reality? So, I finished my tea and now I'm sad that you reminded me about tea. How can you do that to me? What is the most iconic part of these Marvel movies? I don't know. What is it? The post-credit scene, obviously. Everyone ah, loves a good post-credit scene. Totally. It's honestly, it's why I see half these movies because every, more happens in those than happens in the movies at this point. Now, this film has two post-credit scenes. Who cares about that first one? Thanos. Who cares? He's introduced in Guardians of the Galaxy anyway. We don't need. It, is scene. it the same act? Is it Josh Brolin in this? I, one? No, I don't think it's. I don't think it is Josh Brolin. I forget who it is. Um, you look like you're about to Google it. As I, I know, oh, no, well, I wasn't. We'll, we'll never know. It's it, you can't find out. Anyways, Mr. Thanos was in this the first post credit scene where he smirked at the cameras. He's like, "Who's that?" Well, no longer will that scene be there because I'm taking that scene out. All right. First post credit scene, shawarma. Mm -hmm. And by first, I mean like right after the pull out from Stark Tower and you see the A, 
cut to black. One, two, three. Schwammer scene starts. So they're sitting there awkwardly eating, eating. There's a, the woman in the back sweeping. And then a guy comes up with the bill. And then Tony's like, I got this. I'm paying for this bill. And Tony's like, wait a minute. We destroyed this place. They need money. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give them extra money. You know what? We should finance more New York City establishments. How about it, guys? How about we have a fun day of New York City establishments? Cut. The credits. Credits rolling. It's like Robert Downey Jr., Chris Evans. Blah, 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 blah. Next post credit scene. You know those like corner stores of all the New York City merchandise that tourists mm-hmm. go to? Yeah. They're going to be shopping there. Can be browsing that stuff, you know. Maybe Captain America finds a fun shirt. Maybe Black Widow a, gets a hat. Maybe there's a not too great Bill Gates impersonator. Perhaps. You don't get that reference. Do I you? don't. Nathan, for you. <laughs> Perhaps Bruce <laughs> Banner finds a cuddly plush toy, and then Tony Stark already being famous in the public eye, looks down, it's like, oh, one of these. It's a Funko Park, uh, Funko Pop of Tony Stark. Because he's already famous. I know you love those. Um, I never know why they have Funko Pops in those stores of like pop culture characters in the New York I don't City. know why Funko Pops exist. <laughs> You're fun. And then, <laughs> cuts to black. And then the final, after all the credits, one Final post credit scene. All right. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna need my notes. All right. Pan down. So you're starting off looking at the, the night sky in New York City. Pan down. You see the Broadhurst Theater. Is the year 2011. And the poster for a production of the Tony nominated show Merchant of Venice starring Al Pacino. So it's a focus and close up zoom in on the poster. Cut to okay. uh, 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 a dolly shot or uh, of the Avengers all seated in the audience watching. You hear a hoo ha maybe from Pacino on stage. It's a pan. Uh, you, uh, you see everyone like, like uh, Hulk's enjoying it. Uh, uh, Natasha, she's training ballet, she likes the theater. Cap, Cap doesn't get it. Cap's trying to catch up to current times. He can't understand past pastimes, right? But then you see Thor. Captain America doesn't understand theater. No, Merchant of Venice specifically. <laughs> That's older than him. Thor and Tony Stark <laughs> sitting next to each other. Uh. Tony Stark, not a fan of Pacino. Is it because I believe Pacino beat uh, Robert Downey Jr. in '93 for the Oscar when uh, Stark, uh, Stark, when uh, Robert Downey Jr. was nominated for Chaplin, and uh, I believe that was the same year Pacino won for Scent of a Woman. Perhaps, maybe it's a little meta, maybe it's not. But uh, Stark turns to Thor is like, "Oh, this is terrible," and Thor goes. Oh, so is this what you meant when you said Shakespeare in the park? 
because Thor doesn't know what Shakespeare is when he said Shakespeare in the park. And then you got uh, Hawkeye with one of those fun commemorative uh, memorabilia cups drinking from it. Cut to black and the post credit scenes. Okay, two things. Sure. Uh, I forgot one of mine. <gasps> um, every time Hawkeye shows up, it plays one of like a, a, a bit of a <laughs> moment from one of uh, Jeremy Renner's songs. Sure. And um, when you were talking about like how the check comes down and Tony's like, you know what? We should, uh, we should give them a big tip. Maybe, maybe Thor is like, why should we give them a tip? They performed their service and they're getting paid like a normal wage. And then, <laughs> and then maybe Captain America is like, it's part of the whole, tr it's part of the societal, you know, contract, you know, they do that. And it's like, this is part of that. It's like, but like. I, they're not making me and then Thor's like but they're not making me I'm above all of you if you can't if you ha couldn't tell by now I am referencing the Quentin Tarantino classic Reservoir Dogs well, I've never seen Reservoir <laughs> Dog Dogs so I did not get that but yes the 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 that's very funny that's very funny that that that's like the opening scene of that movie now in in Reservoir Dogs that's Buscemi right Buscemi? Yeah. Did Buscemi uh, go to the Broadhurst Theater and watch a production of Merchant of Venice starring Al Pacino? Uh, I think it was before that. I see, I see. And I'll be honest. I, I still can't get over Captain America not understanding Shakespeare. What the Because, <laughs> you know, he was, it's 70 years. He's trying to get, he's trying to grab onto the current lingo. He didn't have time to, <laughs> he didn't have time to study Shakespearean verse. When he like was a it kid. It was definitely a big thing back then. And so <laughs> he's trying to figure out what, what he cell was phones in are. New York. He's trying to figure out slang. And now he's like, now I gotta figure out whether to. Wherefore. You know what? I, I'll give you props for doubling down on this. <laughs> was it intentional? No, but I, it's, it's, a, it's a fun. So we improve this very much, very much. If you have any right, thoughts, right. leave it in the comments below. But those, you know, it's all opinion. It's what we think, what we feel, but art isn't about feeling. Juan, what is art about? Art's about objective, cold, hard facts. Mm -hmm. Cold, hard facts. And so it is time to rank this film. Let me uh, pull up on the Google's billion dollar ranking. Can you see, see, see my screen? Uh, not yet. No. There it is. Bada bing, bada boom. Right. There you boom. Let's do a recap of the films we have. You wanna take the first one or do you, you want me to, how, how do you wanna do this? Uh, I'll do it. Uh, so at 47, we got Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides. 46, we got Alice in Wonderland. 45, we got Toy Story 3. 44, we got Avatar. 41, we got Transformers Dark of the Moon. 37, we got Pirates of the Caribbean Dead Man's Chest. 34, we got Star Wars Episode 1, The Phantom Menace. 32, we got The Dark Knight. 27, we got Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. 21, tied for 21st <laughs> place, we got Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas. 19, we got Titanic. And at number three, we have 
Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. Last week while we were doing this, it occurred to me that we're just, it's going to be so long reading all these names as we get further into this. And I love it. So just a reminder, at 21, uh, we I have with 21. Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas, which didn't make a billion dollars. Tied with, we don't know, it will be too de- to be determined. So as we established, uh, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, we're flipping a coin to see who is being asked. Which I think it's very questions. biased towards the Simpsons so far. Did I do the last? Well, let's see. Do you want you, Every do you, time we flip the coin, you want me to call it? Do you want me to call it this time? Yes. I'm going to call tails, all right? So your heads. If it lands on heads, okay. you rank it. If it lands on tails, it's based off me. The coin flips. Damn it. It's tails. <laughs> this is not the int- intention of the list. And yet, who are we to blame science and fight with science? Okay, Miss Simpson, did you like this movie better or worse than Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace? All right, did you like this better or worse than The Dark Knight? That's quite the question. Because I think The Dark Knight is the better made film. And yet, I had a lot of fun with this movie. I think I'd rather rewatch scenes of The Dark Knight, but as a whole, I'd rather rewatch this. Okay. I'm going to say better. Okay. Is it better or worse than Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2? I'm going to say worse. Womp, womp, womp. So the numbers we're going to put into the number Tron 329. Are 28 to 31. 28 to 31. The min of 28, the max of 31. And the number this week will be, drum roll please. We kind of heard that. <laughs> 31. 31. Wow. It's the number 31. Marvel's The Avengers. Do we want to do another reread of the entire list? Okay, I'll just say between Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2 at 27 and The Dark Knight at 32, Marvel's The Avengers is at 31. Marvel's The Avengers, the 31st greatest film to ever make a billion dollars. We're sticking pretty low on the list. Well, I mean, we keep having uh, stop gaps like Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2 and Avatar. <laughs> uh, things will get interesting in the upcoming weeks. Well, you know what they, you know what they say. You gotta live for now. Is this the song that's at the end that I don't remember? Is it? No, that's one of Jeremy Renner's songs. Oh. You gotta live for now. I feel like you're insulting Jeremy Renner with this, and I feel like we should respect him. I never said I was sorry. Never sorry. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Billion Dollar Movie Club, where we discuss thank you, thank you, thank you. Disney's Marvel's The Avengers. Disney's Paramount's Marvel's The Avengers. Juan, <laughs> this was a fun discussion. Thank you very much. And thank you for joining thank us. You. Join us next week when we discuss uh, the ending of Christopher Nolan's Batman trilogy, The, the Dark epic, Knight. thrilling conclusion. The Dark Knight Rises, currently streaming nowhere, because obviously. What? Fucking. We'll figure this shit out. Uh, apologies.
that there's no obvious place to watch it. But fuck, it is crazy that none of service. none of uh, Christopher Nolan's movies are on HBO Max, considering Warner Bros. produced most of his movies. One, you know, these movies were on HBO Max about two months ago when we did The Dark Knight, so it makes sense that they're gone now. Wait, no, The Dark Knight Rises wasn't on there. Dark Knight was though, right? No, it was only Batman it was just Batman Begins because that makes even more sense. But like. You know, he's got a lot of other movies that he's done with them, like Dunkirk. Is Dunkirk not on uh, no. HBO Max? It's interesting. It's interesting. Uh, they could have put Insomnia on there. I feel like he's, his movies are probably on FX. They could have put The Prestige on there. Never seen that movie or Insomnia. Is Insomnia the Robin Williams one? No. <laughs> which one am I... Which, Robin Williams is in his, one of his earlier ones, right? Really? Hold on, I'm going to Google this real quick. Because I can't... That feels like so specific that I could have made that up. Yeah, it's Insomnia. Hmm. Uh, but yeah. I know Memento wasn't. I don't think Memento was produced by I think, I think Warner saying, Bros. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure Memento didn't have Robin Williams. <laughs> He may have just had a bunch of tattoos. I don't know. So, but you know what? I have heard it from Ten in Tenet. Uh, just this once, the wife lives. Just this once, the wife lives. Gary Oldman's wife lives at the end of the Dark Knight. Gary Oldman's not the main character of movie. We know Nolan doesn't care about female characters. <laughs> So on right. that note, <laughs> join us next week for Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight Rises. Shout out to Max Listomiakio for the art, as always. Uh, Paul, any shout outs you want to make? Anyone random? Who, who, who um, you want to give a shout out to? I mean, I already shouted out Chris Cornell. Uh, let's, let's, let's give a shout out to Colby Smolders, sure. Yeah, Colby Smolders. You know, the show is weird, but you're great in How I Met Your Mother. Yeah, I mean, in the Avengers. You, you got a lot better throughout the course of How I Met Your Mother. Like, you were okay at the beginning. You got better. You, 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 got, you became the role. It's a shame. Um, you know her, her show Stumptown? Are you familiar with it? Uh, it sounds like a thing that existed. It came out. It came out last year on like ABC, Her and Jake Johnson. And it's like based off a graphic, no, graphic novel detective show. I believe it got renewed for season two, but because of COVID, they shut down season two and it's canceled now. Mm, damn. So shout out to you, Kobe. Great talent. So yeah, thank you for joining us for the right, Billion Dollar. Thank you for joining Club. us. Have I said that about three times now? <laughs> Listen, yep. we're that grateful. It, it really. You're why we do this. Without you, this would not happen. You made this happen. you next week we have a hulk live for now